Good morning. Let us pause before we look into God's word together. Father, we thank you for all that you have already done in this service. And Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us as you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. Father, a gift that we can repay you for. But Father, we understand this morning that this morning that there's nothing to do with us, but it's all because of you. And Father, even as I bring your word, I know it's your word. Not my word, nothing I have to say, but it's only what you have to say to us. In Jesus' strong name, amen. There's a television show that comes on TV called Undercover Boss. I don't know how many people have seen that. But if you haven't seen it, it's about a, sh- it's about a boss that goes undercover in different companies. And he goes, no one knows that it's him or her. And they've had different places such as Subway, DirecTV, Norwegian Cruise, and other companies as well. In this one episode I was watching, it was the Chicago Cubs. And the, and the boss had to go work at Wrigley Field, which is where the Chicago Cubs play. He had to do such things as groundskeeping. He had to do such things as clean the toilets, which he actually got fired from. You know, he had to do all these different things. But yet no one knew he was the boss. Except... He had to go and park carts. And one of his college buddies saw him and said, Hey, so-and-so, is that you? Because he has a beard on, he tries to disguise himself. And he had to pull this guy aside and said, Look, I'm on, I'm on a TV show. I'm undercover. Please don't let the supervisor know because I am observing him. I'm trying to see whether or not, you know, how the, our things are running to see how we can make this company better. Well, of course, you know, at the end of the show, they reveal themselves and they say, I am the boss. Most of the time they cry and, you know, they give away these different things. And the bosses realize that, you know what, I need to do more for my employees. And the list goes on. Well, I got to thinking about the concept of the show. And I wonder how many of us are undercover Christians. When we don't want no one to recognize us or we don't want to do anything so that we could identify with Christ, who is our boss. We know that a part of Jesus' famous servant, he gives us what we are to be on this earth, and that is a light. We aren't supposed to be covered up, but we are to be a light that shines for others to see Christ in us. In Matthew 5, 14 and 16, he says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand, it gives light to all in the house, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, our lives are meant to be examples to those around us. We are to shine the light of God that rests within us. We are to show the light and the love of Christ to others. We are to shine not to glorify ourselves, but to give more glory to God. We are to live our lives as beacons against the spiritual darkness that invades this world. We are to stand against the night and show the world that there is hope in Jesus Christ. We are not to be undercover, but we are to be fully open for Christ so that people can see our good works, and through our good works, we direct them to Christ. On our Friday night meetings at Ignition, we have been looking at Daniel. And for anyone who knows Daniel, Daniel was a very upright man. It did not matter to him who noticed him worshiping God. Even in Daniel chapter 6, the famous... Um, Lion's Den story. We see the king, they make a decree to say, look, 
you want to worship or say no petition to anyone but the king. And this is Daniel's friend, not his friends, but people trying because they're jealous of how Daniel lives. They see that he worships God and he is complete. And we see Daniel, not after the decree was made to change his lifestyle, but we see Daniel didn't change a thing. He goes and prays, not in a closet, not in a corner, but he prays in front of the window so that every person could see him. You see, Daniel wasn't ashamed of his God. Daniel wasn't ashamed, and Daniel had no thought in his life to be undercover. He wanted people to notice, and he wanted people to point to God. We know in, in that same particular passage, as even the Daniel and, and the, the mouths of the lions are tied together, that the other people who, who forced and who caught Daniel, they throw them in the, the, the lion's den. And before they could even reach the ground, they're eaten. Their bones are completely broken. You see, Daniel was a man who was upright. Daniel was a man that we can look at. But I want us this morning, as we think about this, and I want us to ask ourselves this morning, are we an undercover Christian? Do we not want people to know that we identify with Christ? Do we not want people to know that we are part of his family? Which brings us to our passage this morning as we think of Paul in Philippians 2, 12 to 18. And Paul is talking to the Philippian church. He has already showed them the humility that Christ has showed by coming into this world and dying for our sins. And he's told them that they should have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus in Philippians 2, 5. But he doesn't stop there as we see here in Philippians 2, 12 to 18. I'm reading from the ESV and it says this. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad to rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. This morning we have four points that we will look at. And this is the four points, and we're going to break them down. The first one is this, followers of Christ must continue to strive to be like Christ. Number two, followers of Christ must not be undercover, but must be a light in this dark world. Number three, followers of Christ must share the word of God. And number four, followers of Christ must give their best for Christ. So the first point is this, followers of Christ must continue to strive to be like Christ. And we see this in verse 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out not your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The first thing we see here is that we must work out our salvation. For many of us, we have a workout schedule. And I should say many of you have a workout schedule. You go to the gym. You have a trainer, you work legs one day, you work your chest, you work your arms. You go through the whole regimen. You go and you wake up early in the morning and you have that trainer who you really want to kill sometimes. But 
you know, we have this workout schedule. But first of all, before we look at what we should have as a spiritual thing, I want us to first of all understand what this verse is not saying. Paul is first of all not saying that we can earn our salvation. Because we must understand there's nothing that me or you can do to earn the free gift of salvation. That God by sending his son to die for us can do. As Galatians 2.21 says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So we can earn salvation, then Christ's death was of no value. So we know that we cannot earn this. And that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is not saying that you can work to this. Secondly, Paul is not saying that anything else is needed for salvation. We must recognize that Christ is the source of our salvation. Nothing more, nothing less. But we must recognize that because of Christ living in us, good works must be seen because Christ living in us should be the result of, of us living for God and people seeing him in us. So what Paul speaks out, if not our working for salvation, but rather because of it, once we accept Christ, we often have to grow in left to do. And the word that we know of is called sanctification. We must work out. We must continue to work out. We must continue to become more like Christ. You see, when we come to know, know Christ as Savior, everything doesn't change overnight. We don't become this super Christian. We don't become the person that God wants us to do. And in fact, as we are on this earth right now, we will never become what Christ wants us to become as we are here on this earth. And we must remember that. None of us in this room can say that I have arrived. I, can, I have done all the things. I can do nothing more for Christ. Because that's a lie. We all have growing to continue to do. We all have things in our lives that we can do to continue to become more like Christ. So what are some things that we do in our spiritual workout? Well, first of all, we have to do is pray. We need to be in communication with God on our own. We can come to prayer meetings or other prayer gatherings, but we must have a personal time with God if we want our relationship to be where it should be. You see, I think too many times we need to understand that any of us who are in any type of relationship, we must communicate with the other person. And I know in our world today, we have lost some of the face-to-face -face communication. And it's so funny because, you know, I, I'm a youth pastor and I know, and I see teens, and not just teens, but young adults, you know, they'll be right next to the person, they got to text them right here and tell them what to do. And, you know, it's like, um, you couldn't just tell them that? That was five cents you just wasted. You know, but we have to understand that in order to get to know someone, we must communicate with them. And that's what, this is, that's what prayer is. Prayer is us communicating with our Father. Prayer is us talking to Him. Prayer is us getting to know Him more. The second thing is the Word. We must spend time studying God's Word. The way, this is the way that we grow. We must have a desire to want to study Scripture, and that is the only way that we will get to know Him better. And I think when I say study, I think sometimes we lose the concept because I think sometimes for me and you, we think that once we do our devotions, we have our 10 to 15 minute devotion time, we are okay. But I want to ask you a question today. If your young person came to you and they knew, knew they had a big test tomorrow and they said, mommy, daddy, I did study. And they came out after 15 to 20 minutes. What would you tell them? Go back. You didn't study. You see, you see, sometimes we are so happy to just put in our 15 minutes and 20 minutes of devotion time. But God wants us to study his word to get to know him better. You see, we are to study. We are to get to know this. We are to memorize this. 
This is everything to us. This is our manual to life. And the third thing is worship. And worship is not just coming here on a Sunday worship. But worship is a lifestyle. Worship is what we are about. And you see, in, in this room this morning, we all worship something. And I can tell you this. We all worship something, and, and it might be God, it might be our television, it might be all these different things. But all of us worship something. But here we understand that what Paul is saying is that, look, you must worship God. And worship is not refrained to the four walls. Worship is how you do life. Worship is a 365 a days, and even a leap year, 366. Everything is worship. We worship God with everything. Everything that we do should be a God. You see, I think too many times, again, we try to fit God in our schedule when we should understand that God should be our schedule. God should be everything to us. But yet we put everything else and we say, you know what, I'm going to fit you in before my favorite program today. You know, I'm going to get my 10, 15 minutes, read my devotion and get that in because... That's my godly duty. That's what I'm supposed to do. The second point is this. Followers of Christ must not be undercover, but must be a light in this dark world. In verses 14 and 15, it says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Here Paul tells them they must not grumble and some words say complain as they are working for the Lord. We must recognize also when we grumble and complain, there can be no good out of that. Because of that, the light will not be seen, which is Jesus Christ in our lives. You see, when we grumble and complain, we don't show Christ. There's nothing good that could come out of grumbling and complaining. As we know in the Old Testament, the Israelites were never happy. They always complained. They murmured. They always complained about things. But guess what? This morning we are just like that. We always complain. H.A. Ironside in a book called Act Like a Man says this, whenever you see Christians fussing and quarreling about their own rights, complaining because they are not properly recognized, because people do not greet them as they think they should, because they don't get enough applause for what they do, put it down as the baby spirit coming out. The mature man in Christ is indifferent to praise or blame. May God deliver us from our babyishness. In some churches, the minister spends half his time trying to keep weak Christians quiet over little slights. If you are living for God, people cannot slight you because you will not let them. It will not make a difference to you. You see, too many times we get so upset over little things, small problems. And sometimes the people don't even know they've done anything to offend us or to hurt us. But what we do is we talk to someone else about it, and the problem gets bigger and bigger. Instead of doing what God told us to do, if we have a problem, confront our brother. But yet, like I said, we allow the small things, little things, um, you know, as it said in that book that someone may have passed us and didn't say hello. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't love one another and try to show love to each other. But sometimes, you know, we are focused people and sometimes we may pass someone without even thinking about it, not meaning anything by it. But yet we get so offended so easy. And Paul is saying, look, don't grumble and complain. 
You see, it was happening even back then. And it still happens today. But we must recognize that our whole purpose in life is to bring glory to God. Paul told the church of Philippi that they must be blameless and innocent. Basically, they must be striving for a life of holiness. Now, we must also know that none of us in this room are perfect. When Paul talks about being blameless, it does not mean that we don't sin. But rather, it is that we know that the Holy Spirit is working in us and that we confess our sins and because we know that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. We know when we sin and we ask God for forgiveness. None of us are perfect. Paul tells him that we live in a world that is twisted and crooked. Basically, he's saying we lived in a messed up society. And today, we know we live in a messed up world. And we know what that messed up thing is, and that is sin. And we know when we come together, and we, whenever people are involved, it's going to be a problem. Whenever people are involved in something, it's going to be a problem because we have a sin nature. We have all have that problem. And I think sometimes we forget that. We sometimes think that we are above that. But let me tell you something this morning. There's no one that is above sin. There's no one that is perfect. There's no one that we could put on a pedestal and say, oh yeah, he has it all together. No one. We know that we live in a world that is full of darkness. And as we look around us, we see so much evil around us. And Paul makes it very clear that we are to be a light that shines in the darkness. We are to be the light that points others to Christ. We have to shine, and people know that there is something different about us. Paul makes it very clear to them that because of the, the world is messed up, because the world society around us is twisted, it does not mean that we go in isolation. We don't go in lockdown. You know, just because things are bad in the world doesn't mean that we all of a sudden lock ourselves in the house and we go anywhere. You see, the, the problem with that is, how are they going to know about Christ? How are others going to know more about Christ? Because guess what? Me and you are the light that they need to see. And that's what Paul is saying here. Look, you are the light that needs to go in the dark world, the twisted world, and bring some order to this place. The church. That's our job, to be a light in the dark world. Paul is basically telling them we don't need no undercover Christians. God wants us to shine. God wants us to be noticed. God wants what is best for us, but in return of all the good things he does in our lives, he must get the glory. And let me just say that because I know someone may say, what do you mean God wants us to be noticed? I'm not saying that God wants us to be noticed by just coming up here and singing and, oh yeah, you did a good job. And no, that's not what I'm saying. But when we go out in, in the world, people should notice us and say, there's something different about you. And you know what I could tell them? Yeah, it is something different about me because I know I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me just say this. One thing I always say when I'm preaching is, I'm not just preaching to you, I preach to myself. Because, you know what, if I don't apply this first, then what's the point of coming and talking to you? Steve Fee, one of the contemporary Christian artists, has a song called We Shine. And he says this, we are the redeemed. We are the ones who are free. And we belong to Jesus. We are now alive, and in this world we will shine. Not because of something we did, but it's because we belong to Jesus. You see, the only thing that's going to shine in us is Jesus. So if we aren't working out, if we aren't praying, if we aren't um, studying God's word, if we aren't worshiping God, then people aren't going to see Jesus. They're not. They're going to see Nicholas. And I don't want the world to see Nicholas. I want the world to see Jesus. Jesus. 
in our world today, we have too many undercover Christians. What do I mean by undercover Christians? What I mean is that we have a lot of people today that are Christians, but that is as far as it goes because they don't shine. When we are in a crowd, we don't stand out. When we are in a crowd, we just want to fit in. This goes for all of us, whether we go to school, whether we go to work, wherever we go, we are to be a light for Christ. We should never be undercover for the name of Christ. But we should want people to know that it shouldn't be a shame when people are telling us that you are too good. You see, too many times, and especially with young people, you know, when they want to be like Christ, but you want to bring up God's game, people say you're a goody two-shoes. We don't like to hear that. But guess what? If we are striving to be like God, we are going to be different than everybody else. Because in our world today, the world likes darkness. But us as believers should love the light. In his book called Weird, and his um, Craig Crosel, he says this, Normal affects our faith as well, both what we believe and how we live it out. When we consider how people relate to God, it's normal to either reject God altogether or believe in him while living as if he didn't exist. In churches, normal is lukewarm Christianity, self-centered, and shallow, me-driven faith. God has become a means to an end, a tool in our toolbox to accomplish what we want. The majority of people claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny Him. And all this is normal. But normal isn't working. You see, we aren't to be normal. We aren't to just fit in. As we know, a part of Jesus' greatest sermon, again, the Sermon on the Mount, he said is what? Wide is the way that leads to what? Destruction. Narrow is the way that leads where? Christ. Eternal life. You see, there's going to be many on the road that leads to destruction. But narrow is a way. Few are going to be on that road. Are you on that road this morning? Are you ready to be weird for Christ? Different? In the world around you? All right. William McDonald says this this leads to Paul to think them as lights in a dark night. The darker the night, the brighter the light appears. Christians are lights or light bearers. They cannot create any light, but they can reflect the glory of the Lord so that others may see Jesus in them. You see, the light that shines in us is nothing that we did, nothing that me and you can do, but it's only what God did in us. That's what we show. That's what we portray. You see, everywhere we go, we either betray Christ or we betray something else or someone else. There's only light and darkness. There's no in-between. But at too many times, we want to live in-between and be accepted by both sides. We want to be accepted in the Christian world, but we also want to be accepted in the world itself. But God doesn't tell us to stay in the middle, but he wants us to be a light for him. Our walk with Christ isn't something that we, should not, that we should be ashamed about or that we should want to cover up, but our walk with Christ is something that we should be betrayed for all to see because of what Christ has done for us and because we want people to see the relationship that we have with Christ. You see, too many times we want to be undercover Christians because we want to be comfortable because we know when we take a stand for our faith, people are going to ridicule us. 
and we just want to be accepted and allow. We need to be accept, We just want to be accepted by the world. You see, again, if everybody likes me, I must be doing something wrong. I'm not going to be accepted by everybody. And that's a question that we need to ask ourselves. Are we ready to be uncomfortable for God? Or we just love the comfort life? You know, I know I just actually was given a layoff chair and I love to, you know, lay back in that chair and be comfortable. But is that how we want to be in our Christian life? Just lay back, be comfortable all the time? The third point is this. Followers of Christ must share the word of God. Verse 16 says this. Holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be poured out, poured that I do not run in vain or labor in vain. You see, we are to hold on to the word of life. Of course, we know this is the word of God. But it doesn't mean that we are to hold on to it for ourselves. We aren't supposed to just keep this to ourselves and say, oh yes, I'm studying and just keep it to myself. No, we are to study so that we could go out and tell others about Christ. You see, again, Paul is not saying to go in isolation from everyone. But Paul is saying, go, live in the world. Be a light for me. And understand that this is your manual to life. This is what you hold on to. Not what everyone else is telling you. This is what you hold on to. Paul knows that the church of Philippi did this. They would have no regrets. And that Jesus would be proud of all they have done. Which brings me to the last point. Followers of Christ must give their best for Christ. And verses 17 and 18 says this. Even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, also should be glad and rejoice with me. You see, they are to proclaim their gladness in Christ. Paul said that his life was like a drink offering. The drink offering was an offering of wine poured on the altar as a special sacrifice for God. You see, we should offer our very best to God. God isn't, doesn't want our leftovers. God doesn't want, oh God, I'm going to give you this little bit of time that I have left now. He wants our best. He wants, and I'm going to tell you right now, I don't like leftovers in the fridge. I'm not a leftover person. My wife could tell you that. That's what he's saying here. Paul's saying, look, God wants your best. He doesn't want what, what you think, all right, I have a little bit of time, now I'm going to give you this, God. No. Again, God should be our focus. God should be what we're all about. Not just our leftovers. The best of our time, the best of our money, the best of everything that we have should be given to God. We hold out on God and we give out our best for others, for ourselves. But Paul was willing to give his life for Christ. We should be willing to give our lives for service for Christ. Paul understood that living for Jesus fills, with, fills us up with excitement and enthusiasm for life. Jesus gives us reason to live and live life to the fullest. Paul knew that his days were numbered. He was facing Roman execution. The truth is that where our days are numbered as well. You may not be sitting in a prison waiting execution, but your final day is coming. It's closer than you think. So Paul makes it very clear to know that we shouldn't be undercover. 
but we should be full of joy and ready to live our lives pleasing to God for his service. I want to add a question. If you was in prison, locked up, would you write something like this? That would be hard to write. But Paul wrote it. Paul understood, you know, where I get all my, what's the source of all this? Christ. Didn't matter to him. He knew he was in there because of Christ. And he wasn't going to shy away from it. What about you this morning? Are you ready to be a light for God? Or are you just, just want to continue to fit in? How do we apply this? First of all, God doesn't say, doesn't need any more undercover followers, but he needs people that are willing to shine for him. Secondly, undercover Christians don't find the true joy that we are, as believers, are supposed to feel. Thirdly, living for Christ is never easy. But guess what? God never told us it was going to be easy. He never told us it was going to be easy. If you, if you read this book over and over, you'll realize we're going to suffer. We're going to suffer. Never going to be easy. Are you ready for that suffering? Fourthly, if everyone around us accepts us, then maybe we aren't living for God to our full potential. If everyone accepts us, maybe we're not living for God to our full potential. And lastly, are you willing to put aside being normal in the eyes of the world and ready to be weird for the name of Jesus? Let us pray. Father, we thank you again for this morning. We thank you for just all that you have done for us. And thank you for, Father, again, as we start out this service talking about being redeemed. Father, we recognize that you paid the price. You sent your son to die for us and so that we could have this relationship with you. And Father, I pray that we would, in return, give our lives to you. And Father, I pray this morning that there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, that they would come to know you as Savior. That they would recognize this morning they are living a life that is worthless, apart from you. Father, I just pray you continue to be with this service and that in all things you will continue to get all the honor, glory, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.